You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes Deadair Nipe here with always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2015 Canadian holy fuck dripping maple syrup. It's so Canadian horror film Hellions. It's actually dripping honey, if you want to get technical. Oh, all of her pickles. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? I don't know. I've never been pregnant and pregnant with people I'm around don't eat fucked up shit like that. But was that what that was supposed to be? That's what that was supposed to be. Uh, She's pregnant, so she wants pickles and honey. All right, then. There's probably pregnant ladies out there going like, yep. Yep. I had heard that sometimes when certain women get pregnant, they have this craving for grit or they want to grind something in their teeth. And so sometimes eat sand. Pica. It's called pica. That's the medical term for that. Really? And paper eating is also a thing, too. They'll chew on their hair. Uh, they're looking for minerals is what they're looking for. This is a fucking weird, wild world we live in. Well, good news, guys. It is October. That means that we're on that creep, that creep for Halloween. And a lot of horror fans basically just treat the entire month of October as a big old celebration. Hell yeah, we're broadcasting here live from October 1st. <laughs> I treat every day like Halloween personally, so it's really no different, except that I'm going to start blogging more regularly with my film. Like I had so much fun last year trying to keep up on a film a day. I surpassed a film a day. I didn't post every single day, but I did have a post for each day. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do that again this year, starting I was, now. I was thinking about doing that actually about which horror movies i was gonna do it on instagram yeah because a lot of times my instagram listeners if you don't know is basically just i'm watching this and then a bunch of selfies so yeah well i'm a good looking boy so and i need to remind myself of that uh through filters and likes which make me feel whole again that perhaps if i get at least more than 15 to 20 likes on a selfie maybe I'll be enough. Well, definitely follow Wes for what he's watching. Because I follow Wes for what he's watching. Not because he's my friend and he's a good looking guy. (laughs) That's just the icing on the cake. I do definitely pay attention to what he's watching. Especially if it's something like show centric or something that we talked about after the show. Or something that he just bought. Which he does like buy things. Following Wes and Mike Burns who. Who actually watches a lot of stuff not always that we talk on our show but what buying torture cast is has coming up mm-hmm. that he will watch that but he posts he and you would get along they have huge fucking horror collections and buy regularly mm-hmm. and cover not only the pop stuff but older stuff or mm-hmm. underground stuff or weird stuff forgotten stuff mm-hmm. so yeah everyone stock Wes on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about doing that. I hope I can keep up with it. 31 days. I'm not a really good horror watcher. I'm so busy all the time that sometimes sitting down and watching a movie a day, even though you just set aside 90 minutes, what's the problem? Sometimes I just can't even because I'm have writing to do or I've, we have jobs and then I got to sleep at some point. And, and for some reason, it's not always habitual for me to put on a movie because the way that my setup is, if I'm watching a movie, I kind of have to be watching the movie. I can't really do other things because if I'm working at the computer, my back's to 
the screen, and so on and so forth. You need a laptop, sir. Uh, yeah, I've been saying that for years, especially <laughs> when I was getting more into horror journalism, and I thought to myself, gee, it'd be nice if I could go to a convention and actually work on stuff and post things and... Or run from the Mayfair to the nearest cafe and just type up a review right there. Yeah. I've done that. That'd be, done that. that would be nice, but I can't really. But Covering um, things for Ottawa Horror, when we would go to conventions, it was often, you mm -hmm. know, I'd take a break in between the end of the day at the convention floor and then whatever after hours things there were to be done and like post whatever or come back from the after hours things and stay up till three posting photos and updates and whatever or mm -hmm. just checking social media because conventions have like notoriously horrible wi-fi or expensive wi-fi yeah geez what's up with that i find so many Gouging. conventions i go to it's such a dead zone it's some people say it's too much network traffic but yeah. i don't know i i think it's all engineered to gouge Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. that's just me. Yeah, that's just you and a lot of things. I'm all about the gouging. <laughs> so we wanted to pick uh, movies that are Halloween-y. Well, I specifically want to pick movies that are Halloween-y. I mean, I'm pretty sure you agree. Because Hell yeah. we're ramping up to our Halloween special of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 or 2. Your only homework assignment is to track down these movies so you can watch while we do our commentary track that nobody asked for. <laughs> well, maybe it'll help with your own personal everyday Halloween 30 horror films or whatever, because some people scramble to find titles. I have no problem finding titles. I just watch whatever and it happens to be horror and Halloween-y because that's like all I watch. But mm -hmm. like if you're having trouble picking Halloween themed films, especially if you're going to have people over or whatever on Halloween and you want to watch Halloween-y films, mm -hmm. then maybe these are some like oddballs for you. So, Hellions. What made you choose this movie, Lydia? Aside well, from the fact that it's Halloween-y. It is exactly that. Super Halloween-y. I'd watched it last year uh, around this time. It came out mid-September mm -hmm. last year on VOD and in theaters. And I loved the artwork for it. I liked the setup for it. I liked the idea that it was trick-or-treaters invading this girl in her mm -hmm. home. Um, there were th things about the plot that were turning me off. And I thought the only way to find out like whether this would be a big turnoff is to watch it that's the only way for me to fix the trepidation i was feeling the reviews weren't so hot i really love the idea that it's partially filmed in infrared with mm. an infrared camera which is a beautiful idea to me being an old school photographer infrared films always been very fascinating i find it very beautiful and for somebody to be using it in film and for it to be a bruce mcdonald film so it's a very canadian halloween thing Although it does have a large component of the plot to deal with this teen pregnancy, mm -hmm. which is a huge turnoff for me. But I wanted to see how Bruce McDonald would handle it and that it's Halloween centric and that these children are after something, right? So mm -hmm. maybe it's the baby. Maybe we'll get to see some sort of icky, squicky pregnancy gore, which, okay, that was a long shot, but I figured the only way to really solve this was to watch it and stop listening to fucking reviews and people chiming in because it was at tiff at the time mm -hmm. so there was a lot of uh 
palaver. Sometimes reviews can detract people from going to see movies. I know a lot of people aren't really swayed by reviews. I know that my personal taste to film usually doesn't really coincide with reviews, and not a contrarian way, because a lot of times where people are reviewing a movie positively, I'll probably find merit into it. There's, I can't really think of an example of a movie that everyone likes that I really hate, but I'll also not be dissuaded to go see something because of reviews, and I also won't adopt opinions about a movie through another person's review, which is a fucking ridiculous thing that I've encountered recently. Over the past week, I definitely had a conversation with a human being that told me that they hated a movie that it was, quote, cancer. Cancer? The movie was cancer. Wow. According to this individual. And then I kind of noticed, as did a friend of mine, while this person was telling us how much he hated a movie wasn't really giving a lot of specific examples about why this movie was so awful in his estimation, did not actually watch the film. No, this person heard from his brother that the movie was bad, and now in first person saying that this movie is terrible and that it was a waste of time and it's cancer, has not sat down and watched it. It's brilliant in that that ties in so well to our previous episode. We were talking about that very thing. I guess they're not a fan of our show or hadn't had a chance to listen to this before they started spouting off to you (laughs) about a film they hadn't seen and thought was a cancer. What film was it? The recent Ghostbusters remake. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. I, and then once we put them on blast for it, and I laughed out loud at the top of my lungs holding my sides at the idiocy that I was experiencing and then he continued to go and say that the movie was awful or saying any opinion on the movie and my other friend just kept cutting no 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 you haven't seen it if you haven't seen it then forget what what is why are you even talking yeah yeah and I, it basically broke down into me saying, congratulations, you're the internet. Yeah. <laughs> well, high five, Wes, because that's exactly what that person is. And I, I wonder if they woke up feeling any different knowing that. I doubt it. <laughs> wow. Could you imagine? It's like a forum became self-aware and grew a body in a tube and started working at my store. It's that. It's that. Oh, my God. See, that's exactly why I will read reviews. A lot of times when I'm on the fence about something, I'll be like, oh, well, what does the mainstream say about this? Because I will just do the opposite. You know, if they love it, I'll probably not like it. If they hate it, I'll probably love it. I'm always very hesitant, especially when I started writing reviews of my own. And especially if I know that we're going to be doing a movie for the show, I don't want... I don't want another person's opinion of it creeping into my brain. I think maybe my brain is so fucking rigid. I'm so focused like a laser beam and my likes and dislikes are so very stark that I'm not necessarily clouded by reviews. You're certainly not open to new things. I'll I'll give you that. <laughs> sure I am. I had radishes for lunch the other day. <laughs> <laughs> you are a fucking delight. All right. So Hellions, I was really interested in doing this movie because, to be fair, gang, she didn't make me do this movie. I think you just showed me the box and I said that I wanted to do it. So I'm very impressionable. And I saw a box with creepy kids in 
costumes. And again, we were talking about those old-timey photos of paper mache masks and shit last episode and that is what these kids are kind of dressed as i mean some of them one of them has like a beat up old pail on his head i love buckethead kid yeah if you want your fill of creepy weird antique looking costumes on very creepy children this film has it in space it's almost like the whole movie is that one part of trick-or-treat with those kids that died in the bus yeah i mean i'm not saying that i'm not saying that these kids are that because they're not but i'm just saying that if you like that this here's an hour and a half movie are the kids destroying the house in tales of halloween yeah if you like those kids yeah because it's basically all that which is a good thing i think but let's get into it there's a lot going on in this film there is wow. like those kids play a big part. Those kids are in from, you know, 15 minutes in till the very end. You see these Halloween trick-or-treater kids, very scary and and threatening children, mm-hmm. really very creepy children too. Mm-hmm. And not with typical creepy kid tropes whatsoever. No. They're a whole new kind of creepy in a way, but a very old kind of creepy in a way cuz they don't do anything really supernatural or they don't do anything very typically childlike. I, I think it warrants watching it just to see how these kids are creepy. Um, but yeah, it starts out with our friend Dora. Mm-hmm. We have a small scene that we're not sure at the beginning that if it's a flashback or not, where she's walking down a hallway in, in a hospital. Mm-hmm. But then it abruptly cuts to her lounging with her boyfriend Jace under a tree mm-hmm. in the most Halloweeny town I've ever seen and I want to live there because they are surrounded by pumpkin patches. Yeah, the, it's funny there's really three locations in this entire film and there's really only a couple of establishing shots of the town outside of Dora's family home and one of them is in a pumpkin patch and the other is here's a massive graveyard that's that's the town it's a huge church graveyard and the marquee outside the church where i guess they would advertise bingo or bean dinner says happy halloween (laughs) which i thought was enchanting to have outside of a church graveyard there's not a lot of churches with graveyards anymore so it's an older town we know that there's a few hints through the movie that it's in some sort of amish country and uh, bruce mcdonald is um, very canadian and sure spent a lot of time in small towns like this and in Ontario. So I'm going to guess like Kitchener. Yeah, it definitely seems like one of those places like Upper Ontario or... Yeah, super old town. Pumpkin patches as far as the eye can see. Yeah, it looks like they might supply all of Ontario with pumpkins. This pumpkin patch is fucking massive. And not only... Is the pumpkin patch massive and there's all kinds of pumpkins ready to to carve and get put in your fucking lattes and, and get put into... They don't uh, actually put pumpkin in the latte. No, no. They yeah. t- they take the entire pumpkin. I don't know. I watched this on one of those time-lapse videos that are all over my fucking Facebook. They just take the entire pumpkin and put it in the cup at the bottom. Really? Yeah. Huh. I thought it was just cinnamon, mace, and uh, nutmeg. No, it's it's science. It's it's science. Okay. It's science. Crazy. You learn something new every day. <laughs> when she is sort of relaxing, smoking her marijuana cigarette, up to no good, skipping class, with some roughneck, no good Nick, hell bent for leather. He's not wearing leather, but I bet he would if he had the funds to pay for it. Because they're both like 17. 
They're both 17 years old. So he looks like he's wearing a members only jacket to me, honestly. <laughs> but at the same time, you know. No, they're no good. They're no good. No, She's off the rails. No She's they're off just the fine kids. No, nope. it's nope. you're just tricked by her choice of lipstick. Maybe and and the leopard print uh, rain, rain jacket. jacket. That yeah. she's wearing. it's kind of hideous. Well, you know, I, no accounting for fashion amongst today's youth. That's true. Now, I actually was going to ask you when we started watching the movie if it took place in the 80s, because there was something about her that really seemed 80s to me. No, I think it's contemporary. You know those women who dress sort of like they're um, an off-duty rodeo clown? (laughs) That's how she dresses. You know, she's got the orange and black eyeshadow, which is kind of cool and seasonal because it is Halloween. And they're very Halloween-y family. They celebrate Halloween and there's pumpkins fucking everywhere. So they're very into the holiday. So they have like 20 fucking pumpkins outside their house. I love that. You know, if I wasn't afraid that someone wanted to throw it through, through the fucking window across the road like they did last like, like year. last year, It wasn't yeah. my pumpkin they did that with because I'm not stupid enough to put a pumpkin outside because yeah. all the idiots in this area of town, especially at night, would just destroy all my pumpkins. I know that. So they're lucky they live in a town where you can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love... Like, everywhere is... Pumpkins everywhere. There's fucking pumpkins everywhere in this in this movie, and I mm-hmm. love it. Some of them carve, some of them not. Like, the ones at her house, though, that her mom has set up, they're all carved all differently, and there's all different shades of pumpkins. It's very beautiful. If you're a big pumpkin fan like I am, mm-hmm. then you'll love the visuals of this film. Mm-hmm. But, no, I think it's a contemporary film. It's mm-hmm. a contemporary film filmed in... This day and age. I think she's a pretty regular looking girl. Bad, bad, bad. And you know what? It's even worse than we thought, Lydia. How so? Premarital sex. You're talking like you've never had premarital sex. Oh my shit. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the right time and marriage. You lying shit. Anyway, <laughs> you're just painting with this wide, super fucking conservative brush. To say that, she, so she skipped school once. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. wearing red lipstick. Red lipstick. And she's having sex with her boyfriend at 17 years old. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with any of that. She's a perfectly normal, well-adjusted kid. Uh, 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 uh. You know, uh, I feel like in my old age, I'm getting a little bit, you say conservative, and I feel like you're saying that in a negative way, but I want to just say that I am just... Just trying to remember things just used to be a little nicer around here. And, and and I just feel like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Yeah, there I said it. Well, we're going to hellions in a handbasket because I am sold. I love this. You know, I think that she could do way worse. She could be turning tricks and smoking crack, but she's not. <laughs> she seems like a, a, like a typical small town uh, woman. And she ha- goes to the clinic. And right then and there, I seem to be getting a sense, mm, clinic. See you later. It's nothing. I'm like, eh, this definitely sounds like a thing. And sure enough, she finds out that uh, she is a few weeks pregnant. Um, <laughs> her doctor is just being as serious as can be. And I don't know. Do you think he is he is basically saying to her, you know, we have a little bit of time, but you need to make a decision. So next week we have to you have to decide what you want to do. I think that that statement is fairly obvious. Are we proceeding with you having this baby or are you not having this baby and pretty soon you would get to that point of no return because there's different types of abortions that they perform and the method used to um terminate a pregnancy is different depending on how far along in the pregnancy you are exactly and while he's having this very serious conversation he's just wearing big goofy plastic ears because it's Halloween. and it's Halloween. I love the little, there's a little girl in the waiting room dressed as a bee outfit. And my first thought is like, isn't there a blind melon video that you're supposed to be at? But she says to 
Dora, I like your costume. <laughs> She's not wearing a costume. It is adorable. It I've is had that true. conversation with people like Halloween time. Like, oh, I like your costume. Well, I like your costume too. And it's like, I am not wearing a costume. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you very much. But yeah. she does look kind of outlandish in this leopard print wearing jacket and bright red lipstick, but whatever. She does. Um, it, it is funny because she's seeing this little girl dressed as a bee in this waiting room because her life is about to get a little strange. Yeah, and her weird love of honey. Maybe it all started with a bee girl. <laughs> it could have started there. Yeah, but they have this talk about uh, abortion, perhaps, and what you want to do. And yeah. the doctor says, you know what, go home, don't do anything rash, you know, be around people, don't seclude yourself, just go out enjoy halloween here's my card give me a call you know really typical doctor stuff yeah. reminding her that you know what you're 17 i'm gonna have to tell your parents regardless mm-hmm. of what we decide is that true is that a true thing you have to it is yeah. i didn't know yeah. i didn't know that mm-hmm. hmm. confidentiality only extends so far when you're not an adult yet it, it is true and because he did say to her that he can she can call him at any time and of course things that are said between them will stay between them i was like mm, well you did just say that you have to tell her parents like feel like that might shatter this bridge of trust you're trying to build with this woman but that's a health canada thing you know mm. if this were somewhere where you had to pay for your abortions and stuff the doctor probably wouldn't care because you'd just be like here's 800 bucks or whatever it costs yeah now here in ontario that's covered by health canada mm. and i'm fairly sure that the parents would have to be involved with something like that mm-hmm. yeah well she goes home and there is a party that she's supposed to go tonight. Her her uh, her boyfriend uh, Jace is going to be picking her up around six thirty. This kind of leads into a scene with her mother, where her mother is uh, <laughs> doesn't really look that much older than her, but is you know because at first I was like I'm not clear is this her supposed to be her mother is this a aunt is this an older sister it's kind of hard to really tell but no it is indeed her mother and she tells her some mom stuff like you know don't skip school and shit like that. <laughs> mom stuff yeah. she's also carving yet another pumpkin and i'm sure this poor woman has been carving pumpkins all of her life now because there's <laughs> pumpkins fucking everywhere and you want to know the best thing about her mom and how canadian this fucking movie is because not only does Dora and uh, one other cast member have a fucking Degrassi credit under their belt? This woman, Rachel Wilson, has a straight up Are You Afraid of the Dark credit. Oh, cool. And I might add, a native of our hometown in Ottawa. Oh, beautiful. Well, hello. And thank you for <laughs> gracing us with your presence on this film, Miss. <laughs> Yeah, she does a good job as a typical mom. She's dressed up for Halloween, taking their younger brother, Remy, out Mm -hmm. and, like, asking Dora, like, do you want to come along? Are you sure? You know what? Hand out candy, maybe? Like, if you're going out, let me know. Da-da-da-da-da. Typical mom stuff. Oh, yeah. But Rachel seems to, uh, not, excuse me, not Rachel, um, Dora isn't going to go to this party that apparently she was supposed to go to, or at least that's what she's saying, and... She wants to instead stay home, watch a scary movie, which I like because that's basically my Halloween. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do, too. And, you know, on top of that, she's a little freaked out and she's not feeling good. That's part of what drove Mm -hmm. her to go to the clinic is that she wasn't feeling good. And it's something a little more beyond, like, morning sickness because that can clue a girl in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't, though, if you, like, don't eat well or you're prone to, like, ulcers or something or... Uh, prone to stress and have mm-hmm. upset stomach, you might miss that symptom altogether. But that's what dri- had driven her to 
the clinic in the first place, but she's not feeling good mm-hmm. at all. So she does definitely want to stay home. Not only because she's not feeling good mentally, her mood must be ruined. She's got to think about abortions now. She's mm. practicing in the mirror how to tell her boyfriend. <laughs> and what I would submit is probably one of the worst scenes in the movie, but it's not because it's acted poorly. I just don't like the inclusion of the scene. The whole montage of practicing a conversation just is so strange to me. It seems very sitcom to me. It's weird in that... I think it's just that you and I don't do that. Yeah. Sit in front of a mirror and practice conversations. I think that's kind of fucked up. Like, but there, I guess there's people out there that do that because it's in a, so many films and typically comedy films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I know kind of puts you on edge anyways. What? <laughs> I hate comedy. I know you do. You're the only human being I've ever heard say that sentence. Regardless is that she seems to still want to hang out with Jace anyway because he is coming to get her. And she does dress up in a Halloween costume. She's dressed as an angel. She looks absolutely beautiful. It's cute that her boyfriend kind of chimed at her at the very beginning like, hey, you're going to dress as an exhibitionist? (laughs) (laughs) It's the only day of the year you get to dress like a slut. And he's kidding. And I've even said those words myself. And other people have said those words. At the same time, I've been like, don't slut shame and dress like a slut myself or whatever. Um, it's just kind of that funny back and forth they have. And then she dresses like an angel in mm-hmm. the most chaste angel outfit that you've ever did see. It's like a floor dusting length dress. And it's a beautiful cut bodice with mm-hmm. a nice neckline that's mm-hmm. not too revealing. It's no. just wonderful. No, she looks it's a beautiful great. gown. She looks great. Nice little angel wings. Yeah. A little tiara that she borrowed from her mother. Mm-hmm. Very cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks great. And already for Halloween. And she's waiting for her boyfriend to come and pick her up. And she's just watching... Uh, a scary movie, and who knows. And one thing that's kind of strange is that her boyfriend's not getting back to her. And her mother and her little brother have been gone now for a, probably an hour, two hours. And they seem to be, the indication seems to be that they're going to be gone for a multitude of hours. Yeah, they. I guess this whole town, they just love Halloween so much. They're doing it up, you know. Maybe there's a like a hayride or something. Or like, like patch. I was even getting the impression are they going to a neighboring town? What are they doing? Because even us, we live in the city, but for me, trick-or-treating was two hours tops. And that mean, and that was you're talking to neighbors and you're running around with other kids and you're not house, 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 because then you'd be done in an hour, 45 minutes or something like that. And, you know, we live in a fairly big city and our neighborhoods where I grew up were big. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. Two hours is like ample time you would need to do all of that stuff and hit all your favorite little spots. Like we took about two hours trick or treating. But then to extend that, we would have some sort of Halloween hangout, probably at my grandmother's or a friend's house and do like actual bobbing for apples and Halloween games and listen to the monster mash and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, because that was us too. Because when we get, yeah, yeah, like fun stuff like that. Because when we got back uh, from trick or treating, Halloween wasn't over yet. It would just, you would sort your candy and be, we'd watch like a scary movie and yeah. and that'd be it. But I was like, the trick or treat portion was probably done around nine o'clock or 9 30. They could be going to do something like that, but from what we understood, they wouldn't be that long. Mm-hmm. We thought that they would be back. In a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Although I will submit that once strange events really start occurring, I think that we can put into question how much time is actually passing. Because I don't think that 
there's any clear indication of that at all honestly. there's a point after like we'll hit a few plot points but there is um a point where her mother does call her and they're having trouble com like communicating and her mom says i can barely hear you and wes chimes in with like what are you on a fucking walkie talkie <laughs> and i thought just wait because it's moments after that we it becomes very clear that there's some trans-dimensional fuckery going on here mm -hmm. so of course mm -hmm. my mom couldn't hear that's what the first clue that you're entering another dimension in a horror movie is when your cell phone wigs out mm -hmm. but the door does uh the doorbell rings and uh dora answers it and it's a little sock boy on the end of the other end of the door there. I mean, it's in the Sam from he, Trick or Treat. He he does kind of look like Sam, but a, a Sam is a little bit more uh, cartoony looking. And Sam is definitely a lot more meant to look otherworldly, meant to look not quite human, meant to look almost like a, a cartoon character come to life. And adorable. And adorable. We yeah, this kid isn't as adorable. Like he has uh, got a plaid shirt and a bag on his head. Yeah, he kind of, I guess he's supposed to be a scarecrow or something like that. And he's yeah. breathing as heavily as kids breathe through those cheap plastic Halloween masks. Which is a horrible, creepy sound. You can just imagine that kid breath. Blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't say anything, you know, other than trick or treat before she even gets to see him. Mm -hmm. uh, he just stands there. So she gives him candy and is like, okay, good luck with the puberty. And <laughs> shuts the door. It's true. Now, as time progresses and her boyfriend hasn't shown up, it's probably way past 6.30 at this point, uh, the door rings again and there's that kid. He's back and now he's got a little bucket pal with him, little bucket boy. Yeah, he's it's like him. an upside down uh, aluminum bucket that's filthy-ish, uh, but still metal colored. But it's got this almost like a carved pumpkin face punched mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. Hideous looking. The most hideous looking Halloween costume ever. I am so going to do that. <laughs> and at this point, she's kind of fed up. She's not having the greatest night anyways. She's just gotten some really bad news and her boyfriend's not showing up and they don't really have any candy and she kind of just wants the kids to go away. And so she tells them fuck off, basically. And nope. She goes back in because she is totally fed up. Tevinly tells them to fuck off. They're kind of relentless. They knock several times. But at this point, she's waiting for her mom to return. She's waiting for her boyfriend to show up. So it could be somebody else, which I sort of like that duality where even though these kids are harassing her and knocking on the door all the time, she is waiting for somebody. So she kind of has to pay attention. She can't just like go upstairs and put headphones on. Um, she's eating like pickles and, and honey for some dumb reason because she's all like super pregnant or whatever. Yeah. And like fourth or fifth time that these little bastards come to the door there's a whole there's a, a quite a few of them probably like five of them and they giggling at her and the creepiest giggling because their masks and faces aren't moving if you put a mask on doesn't matter what mask on and start giggling the way that these kids are not vigorously but sort of vigorously but they're not moving at all so it's a really good technique i think and the first time one of them actually speaks to her he says mama and reaches out and touches her on the stomach of her white dress, leaving a bloody handprint. Mm -hmm. When she closes the door, she now starts to experience a lot of stomach pain. There's something wrong. And she knows that there's something wrong. And so the first person that she decides to try to contact is her doctor, who was told her that if anything's wrong or we need to talk about anything, give me a call. He does decide to, uh, to come on over. Although at this point, I'm getting the vibe that I wonder if she's even really talking to him. Because you get this weird indication that 
there's something more than these kids that have just decided to pay a visit to her house of all houses today. There's something more about these kids. Yeah, it's beyond just harassing her. Because, like, they've thrown eggs at the window. Someone threw eggs at the window when she was in the doctor's office, too, though. So it's not Mm -hmm. untoward. They've smashed all the pumpkins. And she's already told her mom when she talked to her on the phone, even though her mom couldn't hardly hear what she was saying, that they've smashed all the pumpkins. So they're doing, like, typical Halloween prank things, but really violently. And they're persistent and creepy. And they're not talking. And they've touched her now. Like, it's very, very unsettling, aside from the stomach pain that she's experiencing. So there is something, like, really weird going on here. And I don't know if it's just because we've watched Oculus that we think that there's no one on the other end of the phone. Mm -hmm. But he seems to be having trouble understanding her and hearing her, too. Mm -hmm. Something also starts happening when she comes back to the door again. And she opens it, and those trick-or-treaters are there, and in an attempt to get rid of them. Yeah, because guess what? Another knock on the door. She wants to give them... I, I don't know if, like, if she really didn't have any candy or she didn't want to give them any candy. But anyway, she tries to give them something. And while well, the sack boy has got his bag open, waiting. But inside the sack is her boyfriend's head. Yeah. And it freaks her out just like you would expect. She screams. She stumbles backward. The kids are giggling in that weird motionless giggling they're doing. Extremely creepy scene. Mm -hmm. And I think really well done and sort of puts the brakes on what up till this point was a super quiet film. A very nice, quiet, atmospheric, kind of creepy, quiet horror. If you're into that, like lightly strange, weird horror, this is Mm -hmm. for you up until this point. Yeah. Because then it gets fucking crazy because you had said that there were a a, a couple of indications when she was first hearing about when she was first hearing about the fact that she was pregnant in the doctor's office she there was a blood seeping from a pig statue on the doctor's desk and then later on she takes a bath and then again she hallucinates that blood is coming out of her vagina while she is in the tub and then all the bath water is Blood and there's like a little creature swimming in. Yeah, it's like a little little thing. I thought it was going to call it a lobster boy, but we find out later that I guess it's more of an octopus boy. When I'd first watched this, I had thought that the beginning scene where she was in the hospital was like, oh, she's crazy, you know, like she hallucinates, she's schizophrenic or something. It isn't the case, and I, in a way, I wish that that scene hadn't been included at the very beginning, uh, because it does sort of set you into, oh, well, we're dealing with a psychotic woman. Which we're not, but like it does confuse you a little bit there as to why she's hallucinating so much. But there is something definitely weird about this pregnancy, these children. This particular Halloween's happening on a blood moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oddly enough, it was a blood moon last October 1st. So this movie came out in a really timely fashion because it's this super moon, the blood moon, that was happening right before Halloween in the Halloween season, so a year mm. ago today. And this movie was coming out right before that, based on a Halloween season that's happening on the Blood Moon. Hmm. Very cool. It helps with all this blood imagery too, right? Blood seeping out of statues, blood in her bathtub, blood <sighs> on her hand in on her stomach, and this handprint now. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, she immediately starts dialing nine one one. And again, I'm starting to question whether or not she is actually speaking to anybody. Except I do believe that the call with her mother was legitimate, but I said, you know, she keeps trying to call her boyfriend before I knew that he was uh, dead. He's not answering. Maybe the maybe she's not able to send out calls for whatever reason is happening now. And 
when she gets on the phone with 911, I was like, mm, is that proper? Are they telling her what to do? As kind of being kind of horror movie-ish where it doesn't really seem like they're being all that effective or useful. But I was like, oh, no, no, no. They're kind of going, what's your name? What's your address? Uh, everything's okay. And, and But outside, there's this massive light shining through all the windows and doors. Uh, and this is just after these things or whatever have cut the power to her home. So it's a pretty good lighting effect. It looks really great. And you almost start thinking like aliens or something because that's the typical thought. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like you're watching fucking Dark Skies or something. But yeah. when she's trying to lock all the, the doors and windows, I was thinking to myself, that's a lot of doors and windows. And I don't really think that locking those is going to make much of a difference. If you have established that these things are killing, killed her boyfriend for all we know, decapitated him, put his head in a sack. I don't really think that they're above mm, breaking a massive fucking window. Yeah, there's a lot of windows, a lot of glass. It's very easy to break, but... Um... It's, it's sort of getting tense because she's yelling and screaming on the phone mm-hmm. and these creature kids are outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't really been established that they're any sort of creatures, but they're definitely creepy enough. And I think they're most kids are creatures anyway. So like they're creatures and a gale force wind whips up inside the house, mm-hmm. which adds to this like panicked moment. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that scene? So. Very much like a lot of the films that we've been talking about on the show lately, I began to believe in that moment and still believe after the credits have rolled that what these kids are is not entirely relevant. What they represent is the minions or helpers or physical form of a presence that has encased the house and is targeting her because she has an unwanted child. And to feed this beast, to feed this thing, this is what they need to do. So I think that there is an evil presence that has descended over the house and it has encapsulated the entire area, the immediate area. Like a dome. Like a dome. A big dome of evil. A dome of evil. And you can cross into it, but you can't cross out of it. And it probably extends all the way to the pumpkin patch from the home. And these things are within it. And they're clearly trying to bolster their ranks, as we'll learn later. I think everything else is a reflection of that. So... It's almost like these poor kids might have just been regular trick-or-treaters that walked into the dome inadvertently and have become agents of this evil. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I that's what I think is happening. And I and and so to me, the immediate threat changes in this in this particular moment. Because beforehand, your immediate and only threat was that there's these little kids that are murderers and they're outside of the house and this could really be an indication of anything. They could easily have cut the power. There's a lot of rational explanations for the things they have done. At this point, no. And then you realize, okay, the kids are a symptom of a bigger fucking problem. Yeah, there is something hugely supernatural going on here, like you said, that the kids aren't agents of. Because up until this point, you're sort of like, okay, I've seen Devil Times 5, which a lot of people haven't seen, but I see. So, <laughs> like, that's the sort of thing. Crazy fucking kids. or crazy killer fucking kids mm-hmm. that are just there to fuck with this person. Mm-hmm. Um sort of like strangers or something but kind of like tiny strange- ones <laughs> yeah and 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 honestly you could think oh this is a crazy home invasion with some hints of fucking gremlins <laughs> or yeah really like truly but then this wind whips up 
that is straight out of any really wild fantasy film. Like I'm thinking Shades of Labyrinth here and stuff like that. Or Poltergeist, like weird, wild shit, right? Yeah, yeah, where you're dealing with something way bigger than a couple of asshole killer kids outside. Um, it's yeah. very tense too because she's screaming on the phone with nine one one. These kids are at outside. You can hear them making noises, and there is this wind whipping mm-hmm. all the papers around in the house and like basically destroying the place. Lamps are swinging. It's the sort of like when a house is possessed, a haunted house film. When the house freaks out, as I've said before, this is the sort of scene that I'm always holding out for. The house freaking out. So the house is freaking out. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where you're wondering. Oh, is this going to be one of those films where she suspects something is going wrong and every time she tries to get help, there's nothing? You know what I mean? Like one of those things mm-hmm. where, where oh, she has contact with her mom. Mom, mom, there's something really wrong here. There's there's kids I heard screaming and they're throwing stuff and her mom's like, it's Halloween. Don't worry about it. Click. And then maybe she would get on the phone with 911 and, and a police officer would come and... There's nothing. There's there's nothing going on. I don't see any kids anywhere. Which is a symptom of a typical psychotic woman film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, my boyfriend's head was in a bag. It's like, well, we're going to go check on your boyfriend and we'll leave a car outside and, and, and like stuff like that. Just placating and her. Just placating yeah. her, right? And, 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 and so, and I was like, oh, is it going to be one of those things? And I don't hate that. It's just I kind of... The movie was still keeping... I hadn't settled into what I was watching yet. Mm-hmm. And then when the house starts freaking out, as you say, and then I'm like, okay, I see what we're doing here. This house is going to get fucking destroyed <laughs> in the next, like, hour. It reminded me somewhat of Mr. Jones. There's a scene where the house is freaking out inside near the end of Mr. Jones, very similarly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is, like, a larger presence that these creatures are agents of beyond yeah. their control. It doesn't stop until she screams stop, which is kind of adorable. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when a girl screams stop, that's what you do. That's right. Yes. That's right. No means no, evil presence. It's the thing, though, that I thought, okay, is this going to be one of those, you know, when the 13-year-old girl is possessed and the house is freaking out, and when the 13-year-old girl yells stop, all the ghosts stop because it's actually her controlling them. That's not the case, but it has shades of that. Uh, You'll notice a lot of homages to other films in Mm. this, but done in a purely unique way. When we're talking about House of a Thousand Corpses being an homage to this, that, and the next thing, very clearly telegraphed, this has a lot of shades of different horror films like The Exorcist, like Nightmare on Elm Street, like Halloween, very big ones, very memorable scenes in them that are present here, but not as noticeable because mm-hmm. uh, I did this reminded me with her screaming here in the house freaking out a lot of like Amityville and the Exorcist well she's not gonna be in this alone her doctor is at the window bloody hand on the window he is clearly injured old Dr. Henry he's here and he needs her help and he's saying they're everywhere they're so everywhere it helps again reinforce that other people see what's going on mm-hmm. and she's not alone in this and they all believe her like the 911 person believes her mm-hmm. uh, this doctor seems to believe her and now he's witnessed it and he's become injured somehow himself mm-hmm. they don't really say what these kids did to him but I mean he got stabbed in the neck or something yeah um, and he's applying pressure I like this character quite a bit and I liked his inclusion in the crisis of it all and the reason I do is because so rarely is one of the victims a doctor and knows exactly what to do 
when it comes to injuries, right? A lot of people are just kind of guessing and shit like that. This guy's a doctor who knows exactly what's happening to himself, but he, she does manage to get him in. And as she does, well, there's a fucking pumpkin through the window. Yeah, little bastards. Little bastards, the house has been breached, and these kids are pouring in. Uh, we don't really know exactly how many there are. I could easily say 10. Um, At least, yeah. We see 10 distinct costumes, if not yeah. a few more. But, you know, the way that it feels, there's hundreds of them. Yeah. Yeah. Untold numbers. Of as many pumpkins as there are children. It's mm. horrible. But they feel surrounded, and they do a good job of, of making the audience feel threatened and isolated mm-hmm. by hundreds of unseen children too so it doesn't matter how many there are it feels like there's hundreds of them mm-hmm. as they escape into the basement and barricade themselves in there the kids are basically having carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want they're destroying the house like going through the food randomly smashing things the honey the honey got knocked over the honey got knocked over and you know what that gets into the carpet that's gonna be a pain in the ass that's oh, that's that's your day possibly Weekend. Ants. That's ants. how you get ants. That's, you want ants? That's how you get ants. <laughs> uh, ants. Ants. That's ants. how you get ants. That's how you get ants. Honey all over the fucking place. What a waste. A waste of honey. I don't know why you would have honey with no lid in an open mace, giant mason jar on your counter. Did she just not put it away? Were you raised in a barn, Dora? I don't know, but I was raised in a barn, and we had a, a bees, and we kept honey. My grandmother did the honey thing. And when, you know, it's familiarity kind of thing, when you have that much honey kicking around, you just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's the the open honey, you know? I don't know. Oh, yeah. uh, she was in the middle of eating it. There's probably a jar of pickles sitting right beside it, too, yeah. you know, which is just gross to me. Um, it's disgusting. It's gross. I, I rarely get grossed out by what somebody's eating, but the idea of putting something pickled with honey is ridiculous to me. I've seen people eat uh, brown sugar pickle sandwiches. So Whoa. it's the same idea. I know, right? Like, yeah. It's a waste of good pickles. It's, it's the pickle that is throwing me off. I like pickles. I like brown sugar. I like pickles. I like honey. I don't want to eat them together, though. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to me, too. But yeah, with the honey everywhere, there's honey downstairs. There's jars of honey in the basement where her and the doctor barricaded themselves. Mm-hmm. There's jars of honey probably even more so upstairs. If we looked a little closer and weren't just dazzled by all the Halloween stuff that's around their house and all the pumpkins, mm-hmm. we'd probably notice more honey. Well, they have a tractor outside. I don't know if it's a functioning farm. or It's or... a hobby farm of some sort, at least, because they don't seem to have like horses or anything. Uh, when she's outside later on, there's some alpacas, but that could belong to a neighbor. Who knows? Like, yeah, it's true. Seems to be some sort of uh, hobby farm. At the very least, they have honey. Well, that pumpkin patch isn't that far away either. Yeah, they could help. Like, could, Maybe, I don't know they, if they own like, the pumpkins. It, it, it could be. It could be that, right? We don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. Um, it's all atmosphere and not even really part of the story. And I'm glad that they don't spend like 20 minutes info dumping their hobby farm lifestyle. <laughs> you got to help with the horses of the alpacas. Now. When they're in the basement, the doctor is describing how he can help close the wound. She does a pretty good job uh, staple gunning a thing to it. Pretty, yeah. Pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. And then they duct tape it after when I'm thinking the duct tape probably would have sufficed. They didn't really need to staple gun his neck, but what, he's the doctor. He's the doctor. And sure enough, he seems to be catching a little bit of his faculties. Uh, I thought for a second that this doctor might know a little bit more about what's going on. 
Because, and I only know why I thought that. Maybe it's just because he's an adult and it's an old town. So I thought, well, maybe those things combined would mean that Bohino is a little bit more, but he doesn't really seem to know what the fuck like, is They're back. Doing. It's he, the Hellions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean I, Like the smarter version of that, Lydia. Yeah, Jesus. because so far it is a very smart film and a very yeah. quiet, very serious film. Mm. Leaving a lot for your interpretation, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Now, their primary goal right now is we need to get the fuck out of the house because unfortunately, Dora uh, was having some stomach pains and she just couldn't keep it quiet and the Hellions seem to be oh, they're in the basement, which is weird to me because it almost seems as though they weren't aware that she was in the house, but that's why you guys came into the house. Where did the fuck did you think that she went? Well, they got distracted. They came in the house and were like, look at all this stuff we can smash. Which to me is evidence to the fact that these kids are not in charge of what the fuck is happening. They, they are agents of a larger, more intelligent presence because they seem so animalistic and they seem so based off of instinct they know enough if they see her to go and get her and what they need her for but they don't see but they seem very easily like squirrel like they seem very easily distracted so that's how come I think that, well these don't th- these things don't have the practical intelligence to be like they have no distinct leader you know what I'm saying? Like minions in the gate or minions in phantasm. They're yeah, yeah, just, yeah. They're exactly. just minions. They just yeah. look way cooler and are way more terrifying to me mm-hmm. than any minions have ever been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once the attention is drawn, because she's in pain and making girl in pain noises, and the doctor is like, holy shit, you're four months pregnant. And she's like, what the hell? You said I was four weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know. This is like, he can hear the heartbeat. He has a stethoscope on him because she had called him there because she wasn't feeling well. And he's doing a house call. So he has some gear with him. Um, and they listen to the heartbeat. He thinks that there's something dreadfully wrong with this pregnancy so she says you have to get it out of me and he says i don't have the gear you know we need to get to the clinic so she's like fine you have your car so the plan is to get outside get to the car get to the clinic and get this this thing out of her stomach Mm -hmm. which i love that the doctor isn't just like okay now calm down now none of this placating the crazy woman stuff Mm -hmm. well he did get stabbed in the fucking neck so he's he's ready to go taking all this shit very seriously right yeah he needs to get out of there and and knows that there's something deeply wrong with this pregnancy yes it also helps prove that he's not part of a cult, you know, sort of like a Rosemary's Baby thing going on here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's some similar shades of Rosemary's Baby Wicker Man stuff going on in this, too. Really yeah, subtle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I guess so to some people, saying that there's a woman pregnant with some sort of beast isn't a subtle nod to Rosemary's Baby. But done mm. in the style of this film, it is very subtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that doesn't even really seem like a major plot point, uh, uh, even at this point in the movie. It's like, well, she's pregnant, but it is sort of the catalyst more about it's uh, yeah like yeah now the story is getting away yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. now since that little hellions are distracted by trying to get through the basement door they're going to use the uh, dumbwaiter or whatever the fuck it is a laundry suit it's like the same thing that's in like halloween 4 that Daniel Harris <laughs> goes through. Which is adorable. I love that scene in that film. And I love the scene in this film, too, even though it's not really... It's it's shades similar, right? Yeah, Because yeah, it yeah. is a metal dumbwaiter that they're dealing with. Um, the doctor tells her to go up first, even though she wanted to help him up as he's the injured one. Um, she gets up to the top and is fine. And he's trying to toss a car, his car keys up to her mm-hmm. so she can get away. The Hellions have breached the door. They've knocked over jars of honey. So there's honey all over the place yet again. And the ants are going to have a heyday when this is over. And 
as the doctor is screaming up the dumbwaiter and she's like screaming down the dumbwaiter, the Hellions get a hold of him. And in that nice horror movie style of ripping somebody out of their point of view, the Hellion rips him away from the bottom of the dumbwaiter. Mm-hmm. And you hear some very horrific noises and you're like, well... <clears throat> He got eaten. That dude is fucked. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. And so she now is in the kitchen and she goes to escape. There's one of the Hellions that managed to stay uh, behind. It was crawling along the ceiling. Very unnatural-like, but it was a pretty cool scene. But once she encounters it, she starts throwing shit at it. Anything. Anything that she could think of. Some things look pretty big and effective. Other things look like, don't throw that. Like, what is that? But then... But then, Lydia, she grabs a big thing of salt, hucks it at this thing, and it gets covered in salt. And this fucks its day. Salt. Yeah, it's like water on the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the salt, of course, anybody, like, in any sort of purification or whatever, or barriers, or there's a lot of use of salt. So, like, pure salt getting tossed on something evil kills it. Mm, there you go. So she seems to have at least one method of use of it. Now, I don't know why she doesn't keep the salt with her because that she's like, well, that salt got used. I was like, well, some of the salt got used, but not all of it. You're just stuffing handfuls of salt in your pockets. Uh, I yeah. Do, yeah, pocket salt, pocket salt, pocket salt. <laughs> oh, yeah, grab that sifto fucking table salt container and just hug it for dear life. Oh, hell yeah. But no, she yeah. decides to get rid of it. Now, she escapes the house. We haven't really talked about the fact that outside of the house right now, that's where the infrared filming has come into place. And you explained to me that this was actually the the film itself, a digital, but it was filmed itself in infrared. And it's not like it's been colored later on, because if I were to see this movie and I didn't know that, I would have just assumed that, oh, well, they just filtered, they filtered it. it. Yeah. They filtered it afterwards. Yeah, they stuck it in post-production and got some After Effects magic going on. No, they used a... Uh, infrared camera which is kind of unique i think people could use them in short art films but it's not something that usually could you could use for the duration of a film because mm. it would get old or you're not going to get the right techniques and the sky is going to look different people's eyes are going to look different you could use them for dream sequences it's often the filters to replicate this look are often used in dream sequences and things like that and in horror film here and there but to use it to the extent that it's used in this film is kind of brilliant. And it does remind you that you're in this dome of the power of this presence. Um, all the trees look ghostly and white. All the ground, the grass looks almost like it has a layer of snow on it. Everything looks cold and stark and skin glistens slightly in infrared. So it's a very creepy look. And it's an extra creepy look to things like pumpkins and the trees and the sky because it makes the sky look darker than it is uh, we know that it's nighttime in this so for it to be looking like it's daytime and so bright it's so such an eerie effect mm-hmm. and done really really well i love this idea from bruce mcdonald now he's done a way more poppy way more exciting films really like uh roadkill mm-hmm. and hardcore logo mm-hmm. and Highway 61, some of his older films, um, far more exciting film and hardcore logo too, where it's a lot of punk rock, bright colors, stuff like that. And his scripts are usually paced quite quickly. This is like such a slow paced film really for Bruce McDonald. 
and to be using such artistic techniques like this, the last thing that anyone in the horror world would be really up uh, Bruce McDonald's ass over and hugging his spleen is Pontypool. Huge favorite among horror fans. A huge favorite of mine, too. Very different tonally. Still kind of quieter compared to his older work. Uh, quiet the way Hellions is quiet. But not, it's still like bright colors and very realistic. This is a lot more dreamy. Almost something like Hellmouth, I think, is mm, a good comparison mm. to this film. A little more fantasy driven. Yeah. Yeah. I love the look. I love the look. Well, Dora is going to be doing some exploring of herself. And she's going to go into this barn. And she's going to lock herself in there. But guess what? Her vagina's going to start bleeding again. You make it sound so matter of fact, yeah. Well, it does. And this time it fills up the fucking barn. Now, at this point, while she's hiding, the Hellions have decided to communicate with her for the first time. Which is really awesome. And I can see this is where people would be like, you know what? I'm out. I'm throwing in the towel. This movie is not for me. It's way too fucking weird. They indicate to her, in no uncertain terms, that what they want from her is what she doesn't want. She doesn't want to have this baby and from the moment she heard about the fact that she was going to have one i would say was the moment that this presence fixated on her and i think that now that it happens to be halloween and she has an unwanted baby it was the perfect conflation of circumstances what this thing wants is the child this child growing and naturally fast inside of her they seem to indicate that it's not even really going to be human. So maybe even the pregnancy itself was the machinations of this presence. But at any rate, it seems that they want it to bolster their ranks or to take it, to take an unwanted soul. And this is what's going to happen. We'll take you. We'll take you to the pumpkin patch. We'll wait. We'll wait for a baby. And then we'll stick you. Because you're a pig. They keep calling her a pig all the time. Mm-hmm. Piggy. And because we need blood. Blood for baby. And... Then you'll be gone. Then you'll be gone. Yeah. Super creepy scene, mm-hmm. too. Uh, sort of reminds me of the movie Evil Within, I think. known Otherwise known as Baby's Blood, where the unborn baby in this girl's stomach starts talking to her and it's an alien creature the voice is i don't i hardly remember that film because i watched it with my mom when i was like way too young probably like 12 or 13 or something maybe 15 um but i do remember the the just her talking to her stomach or stomach talking to her i wasn't sure if this was a disembodied voice or if it was that if it was the child in her talking it was hard to say because Because it kept saying, it's me, it's me, right? And so that would indicate to me that it is her unborn child speaking to her. But mm, I'm not entirely sure. Not enough information was given. You could certainly interpret it that way. And I think you could argue it up and down. It's a very surreal scene. It's very surreal. Especially since the blood pouring out of her body is now filling up this barn, like over her head, Mm -hmm. almost. And then it opens and, oh shit, It's not the only person interested in that baby. The T-1000 has come back in time to steal the unborn John Connor to stop the revolution from ever happening so Cyberdyne can inherit the Earth. The end. The end. (laughs) No, You can't look at Robert Patrick without thinking. You can't. You can't. I'm so sorry. I love when an actor can transcend their fucking typecast role, but he can't. He can't. No, Robert Patrick's in this bitch as a fucking sheriff. 
And we saw him earlier, but now he is back. He was definitely the person that was dispatched from 911. It's like, well, he's the town sheriff, so here he is. They go back into the house because he needs to check it out because they're hearing some hollering. Yeah, the doctor isn't dead. He's, he's in the basement. And I love how the cop Mike, he's like, she's very freaked out in this. Mm-hmm. I think it's an outhouse that she's in oh, that yeah, had okay. been filled with blood, but it was in her mind, I suppose, or in this other dimension, because I can't believe that any of this is taking place in her mind because she's not crazy. Uh, I don't think. But he like gets her out of there. She's not covered in blood. Like That whole scene was just something implanted in her head to tell her what's going to happen to her. Um so him hearing the doctor screaming, his first thing isn't to ask her what she did to him or anything like that. He just seems to be like accepting of the entire story as it happens. Mm-hmm. So they go back into the house to try and rescue the doctor. Mm-hmm. He hasn't seen any of the hellions, though. No, he has not. He, he knows something is definitely up. He's on high alert. She is terrified. And he knows that he was called there for a home invasion or something. There had been a murder. So he has his gun drawn and he goes into the home. There is the doctor with a pumpkin on his head, sitting in a chair, indicating that his arms and legs have been broken. He cannot move. The sheriff knocks the head off, the pumpkin head, and he's been decapitated. (laughs) He is very dead, which is another indication that these Hellions are able to throw their voice and change their voice and make you doubt what you're hearing, and not just her, both of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have a meltdown freakout scene like a lot of cops would in horror films. Be like, what's going on? And try and run outside and And, get pitchforked in the chest. He kind of seems to know what's up because he can read the runes that are on the walls. Harvest. Birth. I was making fun of him because I was like, what, do you fucking learn how to read runes at the police academy like what the fuck is this i pass it off as well maybe he's pagan you know what i mean like a lot of people can read runes a lot of people are neo-pagans nowadays you can learn how to read runes any you just google Google that shit but he definitely seems to be able to read these runes no problem and it freaks him out yeah he is he's very scared and suddenly very serious and turns to her and says you were at the clinic and found out you're pregnant weren't you Mm -hmm. because we're getting Basically an equivalent of our library scene, but not as much information as I'd like, but just enough. That's a fun library scene because it's from a cop walking around a house with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique library scene that way. Well, this doctor, or th- sorry, this cop is in the know. He knows what the fuck's up because this exact same thing happened to him. Mm-hmm. His wife was pregnant 30 years ago and it was a blood moon again recurring around Halloween and she was pregnant and they had come for her. Mm-hmm. And he came into their family home and she was dead. Very bloody mess. When he's telling her this story, it starts out very well and good and pretty normal. His voice is fine. But then at the very end, he calls her a pig and that hot blood was blood for baby. And then he snaps out of it and says, they're messing with us. Mm -hmm. So it gives us, the viewer, the indication, of course, that they can really do anything. Like, it wasn't the last straw with the doctor being decapitated and being able to talk to us. Or having the voice come out of wherever when she was in the outhouse. And all the other just fucked up things that it's doing with impersonating people, impersonating voices. It can take a person you're talking to and change what they're saying in their voice. And basically take them over for a second. It's what Mm -hmm. seems to have happened. Maybe because the cops in the know or because it's just fucking with her and being funny, it doesn't take a hold of him permanently. But he's on alert now and he's going to find 
these fucking creatures and he can hear them up in the attic yeah this is where i think like his will for survival is not as strong as i think it should be because he first he hands his gun his side piece to dora yeah there's no safety here you just point it at whatever you want to shoot yeah well basically she goes out to the front of the car because the cop car seems to get fucked with the the lights are going off there's something in there and then it starts smoking like Cheech and Chong is inside of it hotboxing that motherfucker yeah smoke pouring out of it which was funny that was a, that was a good call <laughs> I couldn't figure out what was going on but once you said it was like Cheech and Chong then it all made sense oh the Hellions are just smoking some of that con green leaf getting into the Halloween spirit of things stole it from her dead boyfriend there you go there you go Reefer madness, it's real. Uh, our, the, the cop fucking goes upstairs. Here's his wife's voice. And by the way, like going through this entire ordeal, the Hellions have been on the attack. They have been an invading force. Now they're hiding. And it's, and it's like, man, they're luring you. Do you not fucking <laughs> know anything? Why would these very dangerous pack of 10 things... Be just ransacking a house one minute. Now you can't fucking find them. And now you're going to go up to the fucking attic, poke your fucking head up there, hold your goddamn shotgun like it's a cocksucking super scope, and not with your finger, not even on the trigger. Yeah. Because you hear your wife's voice. And you're like, is that her? No, dummy. It's not her. (laughs) I I love the scene for that because it is one of those few infuriating scenes. You get them in a lot of horror films. A lot of slashers have those infuriating scenes where like, don't go to the window. Don't open the door. Don't decide to go close the drapes that are blowing. It's in the room with you. You just know all these things. But this cop knows exactly what's happening. I know. He He is the Ahab of this fucking expedition. And even if it wasn't he has, he's belying all of his cop training right now. All of it. All of it. It's crazy. So, of course, he gets fucked. Oh, man. He gets fucked like you read about. Fucking gets jerked up into the uh, attic. And Dora sees that fucking shit. And then she realizes, oh, fuck. I got to do something. And then she remembers that, well, the salt worked. That thing got completely fucking demolished by the salt. And I've fired my gun off of these things. I don't know if she's a terrible shot or the bullets do nothing. But these things don't really seem to be affected by it at all. So she decides that she's going to fucking MacGyver some shit. Yeah. They, um, yeah, she ends up with the shotgun, which is cool. Because mm-hmm. when they hand, he handed her the handgun and I thought she probably didn't even know what to do with that. Point and shoot. Sure. She point, she shot. She's out of ammo. You know, yeah. that would happen that fast. So now she has a shotgun, which is something that even I understand a little better than handguns and I would be a little more comfortable with anyway. And it is like an older torture technique to load a shotgun with rock salt mm-hmm. if you really want to maybe not incapacitate, but fucking make someone hurt really bad. Getting shot with rock salt fucking is the worst pain ever from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So... That's what she goes to do. And she's probably heard like urban myth or if not dealt with somebody who's chased somebody off the yard with a shotgun full of rock salt. Mm -hmm. You could probably just put rock salt in the barrel and uh, get them bad enough with it. But she does MacGyver it and take all of the shotgun shells, take all of the pellet out of the shotgun shells and load it up with bath salts. Mm -hmm. She even has some in a bath that she'd run earlier 
So when one of those little bastards comes in, at first the shotgun jams because that's what would happen to me. I just don't have the best luck in the world. Mm -hmm. And she knocks one of the hellions into the bathtub. And we get to see again that the salt does work very effectively on them and basically melt them down, burn them like sunlight on vampires or holy water on demons. Mm -hmm. That sort of effect is what we're getting with the salt on these hellions. Yeah, absolutely. And then when she's just about to head out the window, two more of those little bastards come in there and she shoots her rock salt bullets at them and I guess kills them both or maybe kills one, but she does a number on a couple of them. Then comes the scene where she is just hanging out with laundry, which we've seen in a lot of different films. And you and I were talking about the scene as it was happening about how many times in horror we've seen that scene where there's hanging sheets from a line and someone who's just sort of like walking through them and you know that there's a threat there, but you can't see it. Yeah. It's a creepy, like you said, taking something innocuous and making it terrifying like mm-hmm. that. Uh, like wind chimes will always creep me out. Yeah. Going through the laundry, it's another one of those moments where you're like, don't know. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? She manages to smoke one of those guys. And I thought, okay, here we are. She's got, she's got a gun. She's firing off a couple of those special ammunitions a little willy-nilly for my taste, but she got another one, and she seems to have killed five of them at least. So, all right, all right. And we're thinking maybe there's ten. It feels like there's hundreds, but we've seen ten or so of these. Yeah, so, I mean, at the very least, she's putting a pretty big dent in the ranks. And and at, at this point, I even, I like those moments where where a person is trying to survive, but also, even if they don't, make them hurt. Make them work for it. Yeah. Like, you're not just taking me. I'm going to take as many of you with me as I can. I love that fucking, yeah. like, hard-ass shit where you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, make and, it hurt. Make and it the hurt. fact that she's dressed as an angel with blood all over her in combat boots, wielding a shotgun full of rock salt doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's a looks, wonderful image. She looks badass. A lot of the imagery here, too, of her uh, walking amongst the pumpkins, just a lot of her, the scenes of her outside are fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it does have a lot of that eye candy visually. It's true. Speaking of eye candy, she definitely gets uh, tackled by these guys and then they get carried off. She gets carried off to the pumpkin patch where this ritual is supposed to happen. They're waiting. This baby is gestating at a naturally fast pace. Um, she's showing now. She's showing. Yeah, quite and, visibly pregnant. And so who knows when this thing's going to pop, but they're waiting for this thing to get born. And then all of a sudden, boom, we hear sh- uh, gunshots and oh shit, it's the sheriff. The sheriff is here. Yeah, he looks like pretty... What's the word I want to use? He looks pretty fucking beat up, but he's there. Yeah, he's and there. And he asks, are you okay? Mm-hmm. She's being tied down with pumpkin vines, mm-hmm. um, sort of spread eagle in the middle of the pumpkin patch. Just like they had said that she was going to be mm-hmm. when they showed her the vision of things to come in the outhouse full of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very creepy. It's weird, though, in this scene... They repeat themselves a lot, so it's very dream sequency, sort of like they're on the cusp of the dome, maybe, that we're envisioning, where the the power of this thing is taking over and receding and taking over and receding, because in some scenes he's just not even there, and she's alone, and she's still tied up, but then he cuts her loose, but then she's tied up again, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of this back and forth, very visually confusing, very uh, confusing as to whether this is even happening or not. Mm-hmm. I, I like this scene a lot, and it is, again, really pretty. Yeah. 
as they escape together through the woods, the the craziest thing happens probably, and there's the door to the sheriff's old house where the murders took place all those years ago. It's just it's not a house; it's a door. Yeah, it's a door and in the middle of the woods. And if this is too much for you as a horror fan, if this is too fantasy for you, I will just say Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And by the way, we've already established that these things, this presence, this evil force, whatever, can manipulate a lot of different things. And by the way, it's it's um, it, it's reaction to salt. You could easily now just say it is like the forces of hell, like like some like and and she's dressed as an angel there's all this symbolism right yeah so uh, so i was like well if it's the presence if it's the forces of hell if this is what this is or a hell like presence a uh, demonic presence then this doesn't seem weird to me at all I, no. I was like we're already there we're here and the the only thing that's weird is like the cop is just totally like he's gone like he's like oh this is my house I'm like he fucking goes in there and he's holding a baby and he's just happy as shit he's like see it's fine it's a miracle of life it's 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 like do you want to hold it I I would want to hold a baby if it was fucking mine but <laughs> but certainly not this and she freaking holds the baby oh shit it's not a baby it's fucking Narlu Thortep it's some fucking like octopus Cthulhu thing with a weird face that looks Malathotemp doesn't have tentacles but fine he does in my brain the (laughs) yeah no it is a a beast um this this kid thing has no eyes it's just got this weird membranous red and gray veiny skin all over it it's got these tentacles that end in points it seems to have numerous appendages, but at least the main ones that we're used to as humanoid creatures are all these tentacly things. It's squalling. It has no mouth or anything, but it turns to look at her, which is even creepier when something that's eyeless and faceless turns to look at you so it can like see through this thing somehow. Ah, creepy. Yeah, it's very, very gross, and she is very freaked out because moments ago it was a perfectly normal baby in a mm-hmm. nice home in the middle of the forest mm-hmm. that has no walls but a door and just when you think you can't take it anymore oh she's just back in the pumpkin patch bam bam i think this is another thing where those like horror fans who need everything to be really linear are like i don't get it i get it i think it's it's a great fucking head fuckery not a dream sequence but it feels like a dream sequence feels mm-hmm. like a fucking acid trip it's it's fucking fucked up and i, mm-hmm. I like that so yeah she's back in the pumpkin patch mm-hmm and when she escapes the pumpkin patch for realsies, for realsy realsies, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know what the fuck to do, what do you do? Her the the only people that she knew that could help are not present. And at this point, she's very very pregnant, about to pop, but she has she's made her way to a barn. And of course, sickles are the number one weapon of choice. If I were terrorized on a farm. That's what I would go for. Mm-hmm. We used to have a sickle, much like the sickle she grabs, um, stuck in the wall in the kitchen of our home. You know, some people have baseball bats, shotguns, golf clubs, or whatever for home invasion problems. My dad had a sickle. Yeah, we had sickles at the cottage, I think. Yeah. 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 I love them, and I that would be the go-to weapon, whether you're going to use it against somebody else or on yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, she definitely does... 
gouge into herself. She's just going to cut through her gut and get this fucking thing out. She doesn't care anymore. <laughs> she knows that this thing, she's seen visions of it. It's not human. And these things seem to want it. And so at the very least, she's just going to get it out of her body. This starts like probably the most trippiest sequence, like clock spinning, demon kids, fucking hellions, like looking around and red skies and pumpkin patches and and exploding all the exploding exploding pumpkins as she's fucking like running through the fields and shit. I wanted to be the pyrotechnic guy on this film and just be filling pumpkins with fucking propane or whatever the hell they did to make those go up like that. I loved that. I, I, I'm positive that those were all physically exploding pumpkins and they're not like after effects fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And that's, you know, some people might think it's too much that mm-hmm. they're just throwing kitchen sink into this scene. But it's all topical. It's all Halloween-y. It's all to do with uh, pregnancy, harvest, birth. Things like that. Like, it's a, it's a really wonderful montage as far mm. as um, a fantasy head fuckery goes. And as she collapses in agony, she wakes up in a hospital. And there's mom. And there's your little brother, just as a samurai. And, of course, as a traumatized person, the first thing she says is, Mom, I lost your tiara. Yeah, her mom doesn't seem to care. They seem to know what's happened. We, we think that perhaps... What this is an indication of is the fact that she got the thing out, they took her, and they didn't really ever say that they were going to kill her, technically. They said you'd be gone, which to me implies that you they were going to kill you to get the baby out. Yeah. But maybe she miraculously survived, or maybe her quick thinking of getting it out herself meant that she was going to survive. Or it was all metaphorical, and she wasn't pregnant that pregnant at all she was pregnant but then she miscarried and it's all just metaphorical Mm -hmm. because she hasn't looked at her stomach yet at this point she's more invested in hugging her mom and trying to not freak her little brother out too much who's standing there in the hotel room looking or standing there in the hospital room looking fucking Mm shell-shocked so it could have all just been metaphorical and not that it was in her mind at all but that that's all that these forces needed and now she's in the hospital and everything's fine her mom's giving her a big hug and she's like it's gonna be okay honey it's gonna be okay it's okay that you got knocked up and that you're a slut and that you're just a little pig and then her mom grabs a butcher knife and stabs her stomach over and over screaming like a banshee the end the end no that was a that was a a false ending that didn't not happen though I must point out, for the listeners that haven't watched this movie and think that I just made that up and that I'm crazy, no, that's what she envisions. She wakes up yet again from that bad dream, and her mom's not in the room, but she was because her book's on a chair. So she is in the hospital. Her mom didn't just stab her in the stomach that she knows of. So she looks, and she must have carved a baby out of her stomach because she's bandaged and bloodied. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we're back to the scene that happened in the very opening of the film, where she's shakily walking through the hospital, I guess, looking for her mother. Credits. Yeah. Where we don't know if she did have a baby held to full term within four weeks, if she was really pregnant at all, if these hellions... You know, are there dead bodies in our house? We don't know these things. That's the thing. Super we, ambiguous ending. We, d- we don't really know. I would assume, because I'm a very literal guy, what has happened is the uh, all the murders that occurred happened. Yeah. Everything happened. Yeah. 
she, for some reason, I would say because of her quick thinking, because of the fact that the baby, she cut the baby out herself, she survived. Yeah. That's what I think has happened. Yeah, that's what I think has happened too. Which means the Hellions will come back 30 years later for yet another one. Mm-hmm. That or maybe they moved on to the next pregnant chick they had scheduled at 3 o'clock and uh, we'll get their blood for baby. Mm-hmm. Who knows what they'll do to be appeased. Maybe they come back the next year. Even though it's not a blood moon, I don't know how they operate. But I like kind of not knowing how they operate. It's super ambiguous. It's ultra seasonal, super Halloween-y. It's got a lot of action, but at the same time is also very quiet and heady movie and extremely visually beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like if you like pumpkins, man, we got pumpkins. <laughs> Do you think that, could you envision that this story takes place in the same town as Satan's Little Helper story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's got to be a Halloween costume store somewhere, and the only cop left is <laughs> fucking Terminator. Yeah. So Who would yeah. be the, the hardest cop to kill? Of course. Yeah, it would definitely take place in that same town. It's a good entry for Halloween if you want to just not watch only Halloween, or if you want to not watch the wonderful anthology films that are based around Halloween, all the typical Halloween choices. Mm-hmm. It didn't do well critically. No. People don't like this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say that there's too much in it. They're trying too hard. Um, that it was a, a mess of homage to every other horror film, which I have got to argue that it is so artfully done and subtle that it's a wonderful nod to many horror films done in a completely unique way. Mm-hmm. I think that one, if people are looking for, like you said, a, a, a movie for Halloween that is not a movie that you see every day that a lot of casual horror fans, I guarantee you, haven't even heard of, uh, and even some more hardcore horror fans uh, maybe would have skipped over, I think that this is definitely one that you should check out. I think it'll definitely put you in the Halloween spirit. And guess what, gang? There's 31 days. You got plenty of time to watch lots of your classic horror. Like You can watch whatever's on AMC Fear Fest. You can watch all the Halloweens and nightmares and, and trick-or-treats and whatever you want. But also, there's room for stuff like this. And if anyone's ever indicated about, like, what is the thing about October that I'm always about, and I always have the guarantee, the absolute guarantee, that I have to, within the month of October, watch a horror movie that I've never seen before. It, there has to at least be one. And usually on Halloween day, I will try to make sure that I'm watching a horror movie that I've never seen before. That's always the thing that I want to do, because yes, we can go back to our old favorites time and time again, but it's also, we have to remember that part of our hobby is the exploration. They can't just be watching the same 50 movies you've seen over and over and over again. You gotta seek out new horror films, new horror civilizations to boldly go where no horror movie has gone before. And if you're really steeped in just typical tropes and very bland, plain horror genre this is a bold move for you because this is an experimental independent canadian horror film wonderfully executed i think yeah yeah i think it's definitely worth your time if you say some people are doing nothing new in horror then fuck you and watch hellions because it is completely something new in horror Mm -hmm. this is what everyone has been asking that's the thing it's like sometimes when people complain about not wanting the old thing over and over again they do though i know they do though and 
and and that's how come you know they people, want it with a spit polish that's all yeah yeah the, the they what people are usually looking for is that experience that got them into horror in the first place over and over and over again but you, you're always going to be chasing the first high right you, sometimes the best thing to do is to sort of relax and like i said last episode go into things without prejudice and if you've heard a lot of people that didn't like this movie i didn't know anything about it at all i didn't i didn't watch the trailer i didn't fucking i saw the box and i watched it with no expectations i was like yeah all right and the second that it became not just a bunch about a bunch of creepy kids like killing people i was like all right where are we going with this mm-hmm. how far can you push it and I wasn't disappointed for that because I went in there saying if this movie is going to challenge me, then I want it to be, then challenge me more, right? I don't, like, it's not my job to to be smarter than the movie. Like, you're not going to blow my mind by me being smarter than the movie, right? Yeah, well said. Uh, coming up next, we're going to still be sort of in the season if you're Canadian anyway. <laughs> Canadian. Because our Thanksgiving's coming up. Yes. And we're going to sneak a Thanksgiving movie in all this Halloween fun because it is all part of the same season for us. It's all pumpkins and red leaves and cider, cold air mm-hmm. and food, I guess, treats and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to cover Blood Rage. Mm-hmm. We're going to do Blood Rage. And I'm, I, I'm, I got a good feeling about this. You're going to like this one. I have a good feeling about it, too, because you said I will. <laughs> I have a good feeling about it because you you mentioned twins. There's twins. It's killers. There's killers. Yeah, there's like it's a slasher sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I like that it's it takes place on Thanksgiving, but it's not like called Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. So it's not it's not like a turkey fucking massacre or something. Mm-hmm. So that's not the point. When they take a a Halloween or Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, and it's not that it's the holiday. Or the central figure of the holiday, like a killer of Santa Claus and stuff like that. I like when it just happens to be around. Like Maniac is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So a Thanksgiving fucking horror movie, I'm in. Excellent. I was thinking about like Thanksgiving, right? I'm thinking about like Thanksgiving in terms of horror and how I feel like it really is the hardest holiday to get right. Because I've never really seen a horror movie about Thanksgiving that I thought was actually any good. Like what, Poultry Guys? That's not a good movie. Like, let's be real. Like, that's not... Yeah. Thanksgiving Day is not a fucking good movie. No. Because it's like every other holiday has its hallmark of... Every... Like, Christmas has Black Christmas. New Year's has fucking Terror Train. Right? And... Christmas has a whole gamut of good and bad. Yeah, good Halloween and, has a whole gamut of good and bad now. Too. Yeah, exactly. You know... And, and yeah, there's, like, oddball stuff, like, oddball holidays, like Mother's Day. That's got a good one. Easter doesn't really have much either. Um, I've, I've sort of been looking for a decent Easter one. I thought Resurrection would work, but it sucked, like, actually. Like, Critters too. That's the Easter horror movie to me. I, I, I would even... Uh, Night of the Lepus would be much better. <laughs> I'd rather watch that than Critters, really. I mean, uh, Chris from Binder to Cast watched fucking Hellraiser over Easter because it reminds him of Easter for his own reasons. But it's not an Easter movie. There isn't much for Easter and there isn't much for Thanksgiving. So we yeah. definitely need a little more. But I'm really excited about this because one of my favorite Cronenberg films, just to make it all Canadian again, is... 
um, Dead Ringers, which has to do with yeah. twins, and it's very macabre. So I, I really like the idea of, of twins being used at all in film, mm-hmm. especially horror films. So I'm very excited. It's definitely going to be double trouble. Double trouble. Sort of like you and me. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.